From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. So, Maria, I would love to know which superpower you'd like to bring to the table on this particular episode. Let's see. I would like to talk about the value-based leadership thing. I, I really feel like we're in a period of complete realignment. And the words that we keep hearing out there, and every time I'm on a professional uh, social media platform, everybody has a new word. It's the great resignation. It's the great recalibration, the great this, the great that, the great whatever. What we're really all talking about, and this is my superpower because I, I can help people discern this, is that we are in a, a massive reset, not only as professionals, but as human beings. And it goes back into value-based leadership because the things that we've tolerated before, we will not tolerate anymore. So my superpower is helping people see this and see what it is that they need to change either in their current state where they are um, in their organization or in their own lives, and most likely in both areas, to be perfectly honest. So I feel like right now, this is the thing that is my superpower that I can give to people, for sure. I often hear the word leadership or, you know, when others have spoken to me about leadership, they always assume it's someone else. Mm -hmm. Are we referring here to every one of us or is it those people that are in privileged positions in those senior management roles? So I think there's leaders with the capital L that people perceive. So it's your leadership group, whatever at your company, your leadership at church, your leadership in your polit politics, whatever it is. Then there are the people who lead others just by simply moving them. They don't have a title, but they are leaders. They may emerge as leaders, maybe not C-suite, but in between, somewhere in between in middle management or senior management rather than the, the actual leadership uh, team of C-suite leadership team of a company. There are many different leaders, types of leaders in the world. So if you influence other people to do, be, or have better, you are a leader. And so if you are part of the team and you may not have that manager title or that leadership title, but you are moving people to do, be, and have more, you're a leader, period. So it can happen in an organization, it can happen in your community, it can happen on, I mean, we see leaders on social media. Influencers are actually, technically, they are, they're leaders. So leaders can be found in almost every area of our society, for sure. With value-based leadership, how is that different to conventional leadership? What are some of the, the key insights that you've discovered? Value-based leadership is about the leader choosing a set of core values that, they ch that they're going to use as their guiding star in everything that they do, in every way they interact with their internal team and external teams, in the way that they conduct themselves. The caveat here is that it's important for people to understand that everybody has a different meaning. They'll attach a different meaning. Integrity means one thing to one person and another to another. So collaboration means one thing. It's so funny. I actually just did a training where it was about collaboration and people were like, well, they're not listening to me. Well, collaboration doesn't necessarily mean that every thought that you have is included, it means that it is heard, right? And it is taken in, but it doesn't mean everything is assimilated. 
So it is about clarifying what all these values are and having your team operate in those same sets of values. And in many cases, the team can actually help you create that if they want to, because there's a leader's values and then there's the team's values and how they're going to operate. So if you're going to operate in integrity or let's just say, let's, let, me, let me use something that's very common that I always try to get people to include in their values, which is kindness. If kindness is one of your highest values, then you don't yell at your vendors. You don't. If kindness is your value, then you treat each other with dignity and respect. If kindness is your value, you make that part of your every day and what you're doing with each other and how you're engaging with each other every single day. And I know this just sounds like, well, didn't your mother and father teach you this, right? I mean, but what we all come from different places. And so as adults, we have a choice. And we choose our values. We're not taking on our family's values or the value definitions that they gave it. It's up to us to do so. And having this clarity also is something that helps people choose their jobs, who they want to work for, where they want to live, which organizations they want to be involved in. And, and the list goes on and on. It's really, it's, it's, I call it a starlight because it becomes your guiding light in the storm. And things get crazy. You can always go back to, well, I have a couple different job options or I'm in a job and I can't stand this job. Well, why, why don't you like this job? And you go back to your values. Does it fit the criteria? The chances are it's no. If you're really unhappy, the answer is no. And, but to get down to then what do you need in the next job? And are you going to find it here beyond the qualifications, beyond the actual tasks and duties, all of this stuff? And it's really important. So the world is going through this entire realignment. We are a big part of choosing what the new paradigm of business looks like, what the new paradigm of leadership looks like, inclusion. All of these things are bubbling right up to the surface for this very reason. I was going to say, it, it sounds like it, it's very much about so self-reflecting and looking inward. So are there particular tools, techniques that you have listed in the book or that you would recommend in terms of how you discover what those values are and which ones should be the most important ones? Well, it's really interesting because it is in the book. It is in the, the dummies book, how you create your own values um, and how you have to, you have to call them down. But there is this, there's this event that I used to do pre-COVID, which was the value to vision retreat. And we would go away to Utah which is a beautiful place to go and hike and, and kind of like recenter yourself. And I would do this activity over a couple day period because it's not fast. It's not fast. It requires a lot of thought and a lot of consideration and what you will and will not take with you. And I will say that you can use the book, go and do it, but just realize it takes time for you to really narrow it down and to really figure out what is the most important to you. Because if I said to you right now, Patty, choose three of your highest values, you could say, well, tell me what you would say. What is, what are your most important values in your life? Wow. Now you put me on the spot. I, I think kindness was probably up there. It's been drilled into me, treat others as you would want to be treated. So I think that's always a top priority. I, th I think buy-in for me is really important. So I, I feel the need for others to embrace my ideas and if they don't then i'm happy to kind of step back and rethink things so i wouldn't want to impose on other people integrity i guess would be another yeah so those are three really amazing ones 
And in an hour, you will think of something else. That yeah, yeah. I was going to say they they just came off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's there's others that are probably as important, if not more. But you mentioned something that I think is really important that people don't often see, and it's a great way for me to illustrate if you would allow me to do so. So yeah. you said kindness is important to you, and treating others the way you want to be treated, or you'd like, or you've been taught to treat other people. So what if somebody says that, but what they believe is kindness is being very direct and rude to someone about feedback because that's how they were brought up and that's how they have defined and feel that value works in their life. Completely different than I think that what you just said, right? Yeah. Be kind. So it's always important, and I say this to people every single time, Whatever value you choose, you need to define it and be clear about it. And so when you see someone else defining it a different way, don't judge them. Just understand that they're looking at it from a different perception. So like I watch all the time people, oh, they don't understand integrity, integrity. Well, there's a religious integrity, right? There's the definition that comes from faith-based. There's, there's like 15 different ways you could define it or more. But what I'm saying is, is that everybody has a different view of it. So you have to define it for yourself and then make sure your team knows and how that is going to be action. Because there is, there's the belief and then there's the action. So they have to be, both of those pieces have to be communicated in order to make it work. So communication is something that's really important to me. Like I, I tried to be clear. I try to communicate and not let things fester. And in my personal life, because we are talking about human beings, my husband said to me, Maria, all things can, all needs can be met as long as I know what they are. Just tell me what they are. And we have lived by that rule that we will do that with each other because we believe that communication is really important to the health and well-being of our, of our relationship. And so that's how we define communication between the two of us. Doesn't mean it's always going to be yes, but it can be addressed. Got it. It just reminded me this year is our 20th wedding anniversary. So any marriage advice I hear from people I'm embracing at the moment. So uh, that, that's a great one. <laughs> so, so Marie, you, you mentioned earlier about you'd love some of the, the research, some of the science that goes in, into the, some of these approaches. Could you share some of the research that you conducted as part of writing this particular book? Or, or even any other recent research that would help our listeners get better insights into leadership? Yeah, I, I, let me go forward because the work that I've done recently on resilience and gratitude are really important. They're really big tools in value-based leadership. So in order to be like, when I look at the pillars, like there's about eight pillars in value-based leadership that creates that person. They overlap mostly with what it's like to be a resilient human being as well. Gratitude and forgiveness are big parts of it. So let me put that in the context of business. And this is really important. People are very afraid to make mistakes, especially nowadays as we're working remote, nobody wants to jeopardize that. They, they want to be able to have their autonomy. There's a lot. It's a very loaded issue, the whole work from home evolution that has occurred over the past couple of years. But just in general, even in a live environment, people don't want to make mistakes. They don't want to be wrong. And more importantly, they don't want to be shamed. So using these tools and helping people to use, use forgiveness as a way of, as a teaching tool rather than a punitive tool 
is really important. I don't think we ever really look at leadership as needing to be forgiving and understanding that people are human and that they make mistakes and that they're more loyal to you when you can say, oh, you, you did, oh, don't worry about it. Look, let's just, just fix it and let's move on. And later we'll talk about what the learning moments were for this. But right now, just fix it and don't, don't get crazy about it. I can remember I had a mistake that my team member had made when we were given specific instructions. Do not do this. Do not do this one thing, right? On, we had a product that we were rolling out and it was the specific feature. Do not do this, <laughs> this product. And she went and she did it and she made a mistake. And she realized her mistake and she's like, Maria, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said to her, okay, like, what can we fix? Like, let's do immediate, immediate repair. So we figured out what we could do, what we couldn't do. And we could only repair about half of it, half of it. And she's like, I'm going to lose my job. I'm like, well, I'm not going to fire you, but I have to go now and tell the senior vice president what's happened. And I just need you to know that I do have to tell him because this was his, do not do this. Just do not do this, right? And I have to admit, I thought as I was walking to his office, I thought to myself, we're both going to be fired for this one. And it's a horrible feeling to feel that way. There's two things here. One, I think it shows that both she and I are such conscientious people that upset by our own mistakes. But when I told the SVP what had happened, he looked at me because this is what you're upset about. Because we have bigger issues than this. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Like, just like, what did you do to repair it? And I told him. And he's like, okay, is that the best you can do? And I said, it is the best I can do. If you have any other suggestions, I'm open to it. He goes, okay, that's good. He goes, we're good, Maria. Just go, just let this go. There's so much else going on. This is not that big a deal. Let it go. We'll talk later. And my biggest takeaway was that, to have somebody give that to me and to her, because she was terrified. And to just move on and just to forgive people and say stuff happens and not micromanage them the next time. It's super important. It builds loyalty. It builds a resilience to be able to come back from adversity. It builds confidence in another individual. These are, these are really important things. And sometimes we don't do that in business. We really just slam people. And I have a lot of clients who tell me, they're like, I'm terrified that I'm going to get fired because I'm not perfect. I'm not doing things the right way. And so this is a lot of the research that I've been doing on retention and resilience. And it really comes down to us having the tools to build our own resilience within ourselves, within a situation, and then sharing those tools with other people. Oh, I love that. I was going to say that really embraces and encourages psychological safety in a team. You know, because otherwise, if you know you're going to get punished for these sort of mistakes, then people just won't do anything above and beyond their, their regular process, the regular duties, regular it, responsibilities. There's actually a narrative immersion experience that I, training that I do with people now. And it's, it's live. It can be done virtually, but I just did it live in Dallas a few weeks ago, where it is about team collaboration and communication. But there's like layers of, of leadership that come out in this experience. And it is an exercise in that psychological safety. Are people safe to share? Do they share ideas? Do they whatever? And it puts people in like an incubator 
where they see it for themselves, what they're doing, and others see how they're reacting and what they need to change in it. And I think you and I are both learning and development people, right? So I really think that these types of like narrative immersion experiences where people are put into a situation that is outside of what they do, but requires a lot of the same skills to have a safer experience and to learn from it is where all of this learning and development is now going. When we really want to be with each other, we really do. And, and I can, I deliver it both ways, virtual and in-person, but in-person is my favorite, but it's, it's wild to watch people and to get a light bulb like, okay, I'm not being psychologically safe here, or I feel threatened here, or I, and they don't say it until we're on the end of it. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, wow. That would be just up my street. I would love to get involved in something like that. I think that would be so cool to actually recreate an environment where I could practice some of these skills in a safe way. One last question, Maria. Final, final question from me. Yeah. If you could give your younger self some advice, one big piece of advice, what might that be? Believe in yourself, no matter what anybody tells you. That's it. I think that's, for me, without a doubt, I think I probably would have accomplished what I've accomplished today at this age in half the amount of time if I had done that. Oh, brilliant. What a lovely way to finish up. So thank you so much for being really enjoyable speaking to you. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to find out more about some of the workshops you're in. 